Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you. Bernie, good to see you too. Uh, end of another month, um, flying through 2022. Absolutely. Uh, Halloween's right around the corner and you know what comes after that. Yep. Holiday season begins in earnest. That's right. Um, but before before we get into the holidays, we're going to we're, we're here to talk about uh, part two of our discussion on punishment. Um, right. Last week, we talked about punishment and so how it's used to manage kids behavior at home and at school and um, really emphasize how punishment is misunderstood and how we're using it incorrectly. And um, and how how by and large the way that we're using it, uh, especially, is just not very effective. Um, and so today we're going to kind of expand on that a little bit as we prep the stage for uh, the next couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. The title of this episode is we, we we titled it "Punishment versus Discipline," and one of the recurring themes in this podcast is that punishment. If you think of punishment as a tool, and discipline as a system. Um, right. People use these terms differently, but we're going to use them that way, that punishment is sort of a, a specific strategy or tool that parents can use, parents and teachers can use, whereas discipline is more of a systematic way of approaching um, how we manage children, whether they're uh, children in home or students in school. And uh, and you're right, punishment is misunderstood. We, we believe that punishment is misunderstood. It's not being used as it was intended, um, and, and therefore it's not very effective, okay? Absolutely. So as child, child psychologists and school psychologists, we always get these same questions. How do I get my student or my child to be more compliant, to do what I ask them to do? And the other question we often get is, how do I get my child or student to stop some undesirable behavior? And those are typically the two questions that, uh, that, we, that we get. And I know this is true for me, and I'm and you and I have talked enough, we get this little thought bubble when we get those questions and the thought bubble said, how do you want to spend your time? I mean, if you want me to respond to those two questions, it depends. Where do you want to put your time and energy? Right. Yeah. And, and I think that as we talked about a little bit last week, you know, it, depending on how you want to spend your time, you can spend right. your time in punishment right. uh, and, you know, or, or you can spend your time in teaching mode. And, and so, again, sort of the, the theme throughout the, the series of podcasts is going to be about the difference between, you know, do we want to punish or do we want to teach? Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, we, we, you know, let's start out with a with a bit of a, a look at punishment, just to, again, kind of review a little bit from last mm -hmm. week um, before we get into the, the meat of this this episode. Um, go ahead. Yeah. Punishment is a penalty. It instills a penalty when a child does something that the parent doesn't want the child to be doing some undesirable behavior. And it makes the child pay for the mistake. Right. Um, usually punishment stems uh, from frustration, desperation, um, and, and from wanting to send a message to the student or the child um, of who's in charge, okay? Right. But punishment is about controlling a child rather than teaching the child how to control herself, right. okay? Right. Um, and it sends the message when, when I, one of the things that we will talk about over and over again is that typically when parents and teachers use punishment, they punish the child. They want to punish the child. Okay. Um, I want to hurt the child, uh, inflict some sort of discomfort right. on the child so that the child gets the message better not do that again. 
But the message you send when you punish a child is, I'm punishing you I'm personally. I'm after you personally. Right. And the problem with that is when a child or a student feels that, it, it starts to create an adversarial relationship. You feel like, I feel like you're my enemy. You know, we're not, we're not doing something together. Um, you're just creating discomfort in me, but you're attacking me. You're punishing me. Okay. Right. And that's an important distinction that we're going to continue to make. Right. And, and I, I think the other piece to that is that, you know, not only does it, is it really flexing the, I am in charge here, but what it's doing also is in creating that adversarial almost relationship, because if you think about a classroom or you think about, especially homes with multiple kids, yeah, it's so confusing to the child that's being punished because very often, and, and, you know, if we're all very honest and, and clear, when we talk about this, you can't punish it every time. And so there are times when another child may right. perform that behavior and get away with it. Exactly. They don't, they don't get punished. And so it does make the child who's being punished feel like this is a very personal thing because, Hey, wait, brother just did that yesterday and he didn't get in trouble. I do right. it. I'm getting in trouble. So it, it creates that, that conflict. Right. Or he hit me first. I just hit him back, you know, but I got punished because you caught me. Okay. Right. Um, and, but it feels very personal. Like you're, you're coming after me um, individually. Okay. Right. So the problems with punishment, is that it doesn't teach it doesn't teach the child anything. That kind of I'm going to make you pay for this mentality. You mm-hmm. don't teach conflict resolution. You don't teach problem solving. You don't teach the child how to regulate his or her emotions. And it also sends the message that you can't control yourself, so I have to sort of intervene and control you. But it also and and as we said, it creates this adversarial relationship. So when you use punishment as a tool, if you're punishing to create discomfort in the child, you're going to create all of these problems. And and you're not going to do what I think most parents want to do, and that is to create a child who can regulate her own emotions, solve her own problems, and and resolve the conflicts that they have uh, with, with other kids. Discipline, on the other hand, is a systematic way of approaching this. Discipline, for us, Um, does teach these skills. And it provides, if you develop a discipline system, and we're going to talk about that in in a little, in a minute. If you create a discipline system, you, you create opportunities for children to learn from their mistakes. And that's really what we're after. And we do that by creating very clear expectations. You know, this is what we expect you. I expect you to go to bed at nine o'clock. I expect you to get up at seven o'clock. The very clear expectations and their very clear consequences. If, you know, if you don't get up at seven o'clock, then you're going to be late for school. And if you're late for school, the school will give you some consequence. So I'm not going to do anything about that. Right. The, the school has consequences for being tardy. Absolutely. And, and what happens with a with a clearly defined and appropriate discipline system? It, it may include what we would traditionally refer to as punishments. Exactly. Right. It, it mm-hmm. may include that because, again, you know, what we what we want to emphasize is that it's not that punishment is all wrong. Right. Uh, because right. there are clearly times when punishment can be an effective tool. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a tool and, and you don't use the same tool with every problem. 
That's right. Yeah. And think of, think of punishment as any kind of a tool, a wrench, a hammer, a saw. You don't use a saw to pound nails into wood, okay? Yeah. It's effective for cutting boards, not effective for, for, um, for pounding nails. Right. The other thing about discipline is, and at the end of this podcast, we're going to talk about something we call proactive parenting. Discipline, a discipline system is proactive rather than reactive. Punishment right. is reactive. You did something, I'm going to punish you. Right. Proactive is a more thoughtful, mindful way of parenting. It also promotes active learning in both the parent and the child. Right. And it fosters a positive relationship between the parent and the child. You know, this is, this is a learning experience. I understand that you're learning how to regulate your emotions. You're learning how to solve problems. You're not good at it yet. But, but together, we can learn how to do these things. So discipline is a system. It's a way of doing things. And it's, I, if I may borrow the term, it's a way of making disciples. And what are disciples? They're followers. We want people to come with us um, on, on this journey, um, not, not punish them if they don't. But we want to bring them along with us to create disciples. Right. And, you're, and, and as you said, punishment's a tool. Punishment is, is like any tool we use. And as we said last week, why do we typically use punishment? Well, punishments are used to instill fear in, in the military, say. Um, if you desert, you're going to get punished. To gain loyalty, you know, if, if you don't do this, you're going to be hurt. To make someone obedient, if, if that's what you want. You know, in, um, in the Army, in the military units, Obedience is absolutely essential. If you're given an order, you have to do it. I mean, otherwise the, the unit can't function. And so you punish people if, they, if they're not obedient because obedience is a premium in the military. It, it's a premium in uh, sports teams. You know, if you, have a, if you have a player who's breaking the rules all the time and the whole team is being punished for that, um, what is it in soccer? Uh, a player can be removed. It's yeah. like hockey. He can be removed but can't be replaced. How, right. how does it, you know, right. if you get a yeah. penalty card, it's a red card, mm -hmm. you're playing with fewer players, right? So the whole team gets punished right. for what that player is doing. So to create obedience, um, you, that's important in sports teams and in the military, but that's not what most parents really want to accomplish. I don't think that's what most parents want to accomplish. You, right. We're not creating soldiers or athletes. We're creating people. We're creating children. We want, to, we want to raise children to become responsible adults. And that requires a very different approach. So punishment has a place in some areas. But I think when it comes to raising children, we want to think in, more in terms of developing discipline system rather than how to use punishment more effectively. Right. So if we look at punishment a little bit more, more deeply, maybe more historically, what we, what we think about um, traditionally at, for punishment, it comes from what we've talked about before on the podcast is, is B.F. Skinner. Right. Mm -hmm. um, now, S Skinner is old school. Um, you know, he, he, he got his doctorate in, in, in 1938. Right. Um, and, and he was focusing on training pigeons at mm -hmm. the time uh, for World War II. Um, you know, and, and, and so his work was, you know, how can we train pigeons to get them to do something that we want them to do? Right. All right. Cause we, you know, um, 
the U.S. military and here in the United States, we've, we've done this with with a lot of different animals, actually. We've trained dolphins to do different, to, to look for uh, mines in, in the ocean, and we've, we've trained, you know, pigeons to do different things. Um, so that that is a, historically, we've done that uh, quite often. So, you know, after the war, he continued to to do his work with uh, pigeons and at Harvard, and um he developed and, and really honed this system that we call operant conditioning. Right. Right. Yeah. And operant, I always wondered what an operant was. Operant is simply something that animals do, you know, pigeons pack rats, um, uh, explore, um, dolphins jump out of the water. So you take a behavior that an animal can do. And what Skinner did is he said, okay, I'll take these normal animal behaviors that I call operants and I will, Re- respond to their behavior in certain ways so that I condition, manage change. He used the word condition their behavior by responding to it in certain ways. So if he wanted to increase an operant, then he would simply reward the animal in some way. So the animal, uh, the pigeon pecks a red key and a food pellet comes down and, um, and, he, and the pigeon gets rewarded. Right. If you want to decrease the operant, if you want to stop the pigeon from doing that, then you, you follow the pecking with an aversive, an undesirable consequence. So if I, but if I want to decrease the behavior, if I do something and the pigeon stops pecking, I say that the behavior has been punished. Mm-hmm. Skinner didn't punish animals. He never talked about punishing animals. He punished behavior. That is, he reduced the behavior. So punishment for Skinner, and and he's the father of this whole movement. Punishment is not something I do. It is something that happens. For, for For these old behaviorists, punishment was something that happened. I punish, to punish a behavior is to reduce. I may intend to punish. Um, I'm going to take your phone. That's what parents reach for the phone all that. I'm, I'll take your phone if you do that. Right. If the behavior doesn't decrease, you haven't punished the behavior. Right. You punish the child, you haven't punished the behavior. Well, so so let's just a, a specific example of of the difference is you know if there's a white key and a red key, and we want to teach the pigeon to pick the red key. When he hits the red key, a food pellet falls down. Um, right. You know, we'll we'll sort of move beyond the idea that the fact that the pigeons were eighty percent their ideal body weight, and so they were really hungry. Which is just about <laughs> I was thinking about a way of introducing that idea, <laughs> but uh, I'll stop. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it though, because right. that was one hungry pigeon. That was a very. I hungry mean, pigeon. the thing is, that pigeon was starving. It was almost. It was halfway to anorexia. Anorexia right. was forty percent. He reduced them by twenty percent. So that was one hungry pigeon. Right. So so, but if there's a red. Uh, button and a white button. And if he hits the red button, he gets a food pellet. If he hits the white button, the way that that, that behavior was punished was he didn't get a food pellet. Didn't get a pellet. Right. The, the, the pigeon wasn't, wasn't hit. It wasn't zapped. Wasn't put on restriction. Not, nothing <laughs> happened. It just didn't get a food pellet. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't, it was punished in the fact that there was nothing that benefited the pigeon for hitting that button. And so it would not hit that button as often. I, I think another important thing that we really have to emphasize here, because it, we're going to we're going to talk about it more over the next couple of weeks, is when you defined operant just a minute ago, 
you said that it's anything that an animal or person does can do. Yeah. Pay, pay attention to those words because how many times do parents and teachers and people in general just punish others for doing something that we're not quite, we're not even really sure if they can do it. Right. That's right. You know, you, we're, we're punishing kids because, oh, well, you need to, you need to have more self-control. You, you should be able to, you should stop and think before you do that. Well, if the kid is impulsive, he can't do that. That is not right. something that he's going to do naturally. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to punish for something that he really, that kid really can't do. That's right. That's a and good we think point. That if we keep yeah. punishing, then suddenly the child is going to learn the skill, mm-hmm. but, but it doesn't work that way. That's right. And that's a very good point that this, this system of reward and punishment is based on the notion that this is something that the organism can do. You know, you, you don't ask an elephant to, to do a high jump, you know, because it's not something, an elephant, it's not in their behavioral repertoire. They can't do that. You can't ask a zebra to fly. A zebra walks on four legs. So it has to be something the child can do. So before you reach for reward and punish, before you reach for these things, these consequences, make sure it's something that the child or the student is able to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because if not, then, and, and if you're just punishing the person, you're going to get an adversarial relationship. Right. So, so when it comes to, you know, when we talk to people about punishment and we talk about managing kids' behaviors, you know, we hear all kinds of, of, of little um, comments and, and um, explanations for why people do some of the things they do. And, you know, we hear things like, you know, I was punished when I was a kid and I turned out okay. Um, you know, I was yeah, the kids do the things that they do today because they're not punished enough. You know, if we just, if we could just bring spanking back in schools, you know, that would, that would fix all the problems in the schools. Right. Um, but yeah, I think of, I think of three strikes and you're out, you know, that in yeah. the seventies when they said, if you do this three times, you're going to go to prison for, and that, that didn't work at all. All that did was fill up the prisons, you know, right. didn't, didn't curb it, didn't, didn't stop anything, you know? Right. So, um, and, and we believe that, we, be, we believe the punishment works. And we remember as we were children, well, I got punished for that, so I never did it again, maybe. Um, but I'll bet there were things that you got punished for that you did do again. You just right. don't remember them as well. Right, yeah. I mean, parents will say, parents will say well, you know, I, you know, if I would have done something like that, you know, when I did something like that, I got, I got a whooping. And, and you say, well, how many times, you know, did you get a whooping for that? And I said, man, my, my, my every dad, time I did it, my dad would tear me up every time I did it. Well, so this, what you're saying is spanking really didn't work to make you not do it. Right. Yeah. Something um, else, something else was at work. Right. 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 Yeah. So, but, and, and then there's the, the, the one that's one of our favorites. And that is, you know, people will say, well, we have to have consequences. There have to be consequences to these behaviors. Right. And by and large, we agree. I, I don't disagree. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. There, there, there do have, we do have to have consequences, right. but, mm-hmm. but let's make sure that we know what consequences are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There are two things about when parents say that, or when teachers say that um, you, you say, well, I have to have a consequence and we agree. You do have to have consequence, but let's talk about consequences. There's two things about consequences that are really important to understand. Okay. The first thing is, you have more than consequences in your parenting toolbox, okay? So don't think, you know, many parents think, if I see this behavior, I'm going to do this consequence. Wait, you have many more tools and consequences in your toolbox. 
A consequence is something that happens in response to a behavior, okay? Some behavior occurs and you have some consequence. Mm. But we have to remember that there, there's an A here. So we talk about behavior is a B, consequences is a C. Well, there's an A in the equation and the A stands for antecedents. And antecedents are all the conditions that produce the behavior or allow the behavior to occur. Right. Behavior doesn't occur in, in a vacuum. Okay, there's, there's something that happens that causes the, the child to do something. So those things that, that occur before the behavior, we call antecedents. So right. when we think about managing children, don't think just about, con- first of all, don't think about punishment, think about consequences, but don't think just about consequences because you also have antecedents. So you have A, B, and C. Right. And so, so just some examples. So, you know, a kid has a temper tantrum. That's the B, that's a behavior. Right. Um, it, the parent can ignore it. That's a consequence. Right. right? You, don't do, you can just ignore it, like, like ignoring the pigeon. You know, you don't do anything. Right. Um, and, and because recognize that the consequence of one behavior can be the antecedent of the next behavior. So right. the child has a temper tantrum. The parent, you know, yells at them, mm-hmm. the temper tantrum continues. Right. That, the con- that, then that, that consequence from the first temper tantrum, the, the, the yelling at the child, becomes the antecedent for the child yelling back. Right. Um, and, and it just, it can just continue. Um, you know, if a, if a kid uh, violates curfew, there's the behavior. Um, right. And the parent says, okay, give me your cell phone. Right. Um, well, there's the consequence. And right. We we always, not always. I should I should never say always. We very often equate consequences with punishments. <laughs> but again, consequences anything that happens after the behavior. Whatever happens after the behavior is a consequence. Yeah. Right. Even if nothing happens, that's the consequence. Ignoring ignoring is a consequence, even though you're right. not really doing anything. That's right. You don't. The consequence doesn't mean you have to spring into action. The best consequence might be do nothing. Right. Yeah. So, so you know, if you think about, okay, the, the child has a temper tantrum and we, we're always thinking about what, what is our consequence for the temper tantrum. Sometimes we get in that situation where we have to focus on the consequence. But what one of the things we encourage parents to think about is what was the antecedent that caused that, that led to the temper that tantrum? Produced the behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there are times, and, and Richard, I know you and I have sat down and talked about this so many times. So often, parents will do things that they know without a doubt <laughs> will cause the child to, to melt down. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they will. And, and, it, and then they'll say, see, there it goes again. He's, he's having to melt. Well, of course he is. You, you know right. that, that, that doing mm-hmm. that is going to lead to that behavior. So why do that? Right. What when you know your child hasn't done homework, why ask him if he's done his homework? Right. Because if he if you ask him if he's done his homework, he's probably going to say, Yeah. So yeah, now, you're him, now you're gonna get him for not getting his homework done and you're gonna get him for lying. Right. Why 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 set them up that way? Mm-hmm. Instead just say, Hey, go get your go get your um book bag so that we can um get get your get your homework done before it's bedtime. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to assume that the homework isn't done. If right. the homework is done, he can go get it and he can show you. 
when but as a when. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for for creating an antecedent that's going to lead to a behavior that's predictable. Right. Going to lead to you to having to punish the child. That's right. Yeah. And we know, you know, the most common um, example we use with with um, you know thinking about the antecedents um, trips to the grocery store with tired children. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I mean, you take a tired, hungry child and go to the grocery store. I'm just going to make a quick drop trip to the grocery store. It can turn into a fiasco of, un of unacceptable behaviors that usually result in a frustrated consequence right. by the parent, because now you have a screaming child in the middle of the grocery store and you want to do some consequence for that. So if you, but if you manage A, you never get to B. Right then you don't have to use C, okay? Right. Well, what is A in this case? Don't go to the grocery store with a tired, hungry child. Right. You're setting yourself up for A, B, C by doing that. So right. instead, use A as a way of managing the entire situation, of managing the child's behavior. Don't put the child in a situation that's likely to turn, um, that's likely not to go very well, okay? And it then we fully recognize that there are situations where you can't avoid it. Right. But, right. but go into it prepared. Don't, you know, your kid is tired and cranky. Don't say when we get in the store, you better behave because we're just going to, we're just going to run in and run out. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, don't ask for anything. Right. It's not, it's not going to happen. The child is tired and hungry. It's a child. That's what children do. That's the operant. It's what tired, hungry children do. They tend to get fussy and they get fussy in public. Right. Okay. So, so, so as I said, if we if we manage the antecedent, right, we typically don't experience the behavior, and so we don't have to apply a consequence. Yeah, I would say with every parent, I would say first of all, think about the conditions that you're creating. If you know your children don't handle a restaurant very well, if they can't sit still, then good, wait until they get a little bit older. You can you can avoid. Don't go to that kind of a restaurant. Uh, go to McDonald's so they can run around in the playground rather than having to sit quietly at a formal restaurant with tablecloths and linen. I mean, we just invite disaster. We invite catastrophe. Right. Um, that's why we have kids' tables at holiday, uh, holiday celebrations. Right. They spill something, it doesn't matter. And the expectation is that they can play with each other at the table with other kids rather than having to behave with adults. So right. remember, there's half the equation is consequences, but half the equation is antecedents, okay? Right. When you, do, when you start to think about antecedents, you are entering the world of proactive parenting, okay? Mm -hmm. And proactive parenting rather than reactive parenting, because let's face it, most of us are reactive parents. Mm -hmm. Proactive parenting, we spend more time and energy building a discipline system that anticipates problems before they occur. And it creates routines. Proactive parenting does two things. It, it anticipates problems before they begin, and it seeks to create routines that children learn how to follow over time. Okay, And I can't stress that enough. When I was growing up, we had certain routines. There were certain things we did on certain days. <clears throat> Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, we were in church. Uh, it's just something I did for when I, my first memory until I left home at 18, 
I knew exactly where I was going to be at nine o'clock every Sunday morning. There was no question. I didn't question it. No, nobody in the family questioned it. It's just what you did. It, we went to bed at nighttime. We got up in the morning. It, it's just how you how we lived our life. And so a, a proactive parenting seeks to establish those kinds of routines that you don't fight about every day. I, right. I didn't. Nobody argued with my parents on Sunday morning. That was the expectation. That was the routine. It's just what we did. Right. Absolutely. Now, before we wrap up for the day, you you mentioned a minute ago that there are two things about consequences. And the other thing we've kind of alluded to, and that is that consequences do not equal punishment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Consequences is anything that comes afterwards. So, you know, you mentioned last week about grandma's rule. Well, grandma's rule simply is that, um, you know, if you eat your vegetables, you get a dessert. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. You don't eat your vegetables. You don't get a dessert. There's no punishment. There's no, you know, we're not talking about anything like that. We're just saying, you know, A leads to B. Um, right. Or maybe it's tough to use those those letters after the antecedent behavior consequence conversation. Right. But mm-hmm. if, if you do one thing, the next thing happens. Right. It, it's there's no there's no need for consequences. There's no need for punishments. It's just that's what happens. Um, but but again, we very often confuse consequences and punishments. That's right. And as a nation, we believe in punishment. I mean, in, in our country, and it, it's not really anybody's fault. It's just that in the United States, we have a firm belief in punishment and that punishment works. Um, there are all kinds of data that we can use, but um, we're number one in the world in terms of punishment. I mean, right. we're way ahead of everybody else. Right. Um, and so behaviorism, this idea that you could reward and punish, really those seeds hit fertile ground when they came to the United States um, because we we already believed in it. Um, And so we got sort of stuck there and we keep using the same system. We believe in, you know, read a code of conduct for a school. If you do this behavior, you get this punishment. If you do this, you get this punishment. I mean, it's just baked into our system. Okay, What we're asking parents to do is to move from that reactive, I'm going to punish this person, to proactive parenting. Mm-hmm. And in proactive parenting, we develop consequences. We work on both antecedents and consequences, but we develop consequences that increase desirable behaviors and that are also instructive rather than aversive. Right. We want to teach consequences should teach something. We say it over and over again, not just hurt somebody, they should actually um, teach kids how to do something. Right. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of ignoring or, or um, what we've referred to before as benign neglect right. <laughs> involved in that, where you, there's just some things that you don't have to respond to. Right. Um, you know, when, when a kid, you ask a kid to do something and they huff about it. <laughs> okay. You can huff if you would like, but as long as the behavior is done, what, what does it matter? It's not being disrespectful. It's just expressing, I, I feel the same way when I have to take the trash out or when I have to mow the yard. Um, I want to huff as well, but it's usually me telling myself I have to do it. So, um, right. so you know, we don't have to tell the kids who's boss, teach them who's boss. They know who's boss, right? Um, but we want them to learn why they need to engage in a behavior, why right. it's important to do some of the things that we ask them to do, because mm-hmm. then it increases the likelihood that they're going to do it even when we're not there. Right. Um, right. That, and, and that's what we really want. That's why like proactive parenting, as you said earlier, is, is a component of a really good 
disciplined system. Right. That's right. Um, not it's not punishment. It's a, it's part of the discipline system that we need to develop. Right. And we just uh, I, and I understand. I mean, I've, I I have four children. I mean, we we both have children. Um, we understand this this urge to reach for punishment. You know, you want to stop a behavior in its tracks. I get that. But that's really not how effective parenting works. There, there's another part of parenting or teaching that you have to create. You have to create this system right. um, that allows children to learn how to manage their own emotions, that they manage their own behavior. That's what we want. We yeah. want them to behave whether we're there or not. Because remember, at age 16, they can get in a vehicle and leave your house and you're not there anymore. Right. And if they're not controlling themselves, you're in for a heap of trouble. And so from birth to 16, the goal is not to make, not just obedience, but to teach children how to manage whether you're there or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's Absolutely. our goal. And, and that's why, you know, the referee isn't there every day. In an athletic contest, the referee is there the whole time. Right. When you're in a house, the referee isn't there the whole time. So, right. so you can't catch every infraction. Absolutely. So, um, and, and again, that's, that's the main goal is to teach kids that it's important to follow these rules and to, to do these things, even when the enforcer isn't there, even when that's you're right. not there. Um, that's why kids misbehave so badly when there's a substitute and the teacher's out because exactly you, you go over and over again, a babysitter you know the babysitter comes in they take advantage of the babysitter substitute teacher they take advantage of the substitute grandma um, you know because the enforcer's gone um kids will misbehave uh, absolutely so we we will continue this conversation about punishment uh next week uh when we kind of dive into a little bit more um about this topic and how we're using it as parents. So, right. And next week we'll probably talk about how we do this with young children. And then in the last episode, we'll talk about how we do this with teenagers a little bit. It's a little bit more challenging with teenagers, but so we'll talk about young kids next week and teenagers the week after. Absolutely. Well, okay. Until then stay happy, stay healthy and forget to be afraid. <laughs>